You are listening to The Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 142. I feel like we're in this global battle between the light and the shadow. And, you know, it's like, I think a lot of people are worried who's going to win. You know, we can focus our energy on believing in the goodness that we're born with and look for the places where we can magnify that. So there are companies out there who are honoring the human spirit. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello there. Welcome to the Star Coach Show, where Every single week, we explore a strategy, tool, or resource for professional coaches. Yes, that is the acronym for STAR. And I am thrilled to have you with us. I'm Meg Rentschler, your host, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And I welcome you as we are visiting with one of my favorite people, Andrew Bennett. Andrew was on our show in episode 118, where we explored how he, as a professional magician, uses that skill set in his work with companies. And we discussed sort of the magic in coaching and the magic in working with companies. So if you haven't heard episode 118, I encourage you to do so. And Today, we're going to take a little bit of a turn in a different direction, yet just as vital as we are exploring revitalization of the human spirit in the workplace. And we'll get to that in just a second. Before we go there, I want to take a moment to encourage you to be thinking about how you're gaining your continuing education credits and how often you're actually building those coaching muscles and getting feedback about the way that you're coaching, the way that you're building your skills and your competencies. I currently have a mentor program that is enrolling now where we do exactly those things. We practice coaching and work with other coaches as well as giving you one-on-one time to build and expand your coaching muscles. If you're interested, go ahead and click on the link in the show notes, and we can discuss whether that's a fit for you. Now, let's talk about today's show. As I mentioned, our guest is Andrew Bennett, and Andrew is an expert at building inspiring organizations. With that, today we are doing a dive into his process of revitalizing the human spirit at work. Now, as we explore that, we are going to share the experience with Andrew as he talks about some specific stories of courageous leaders, of things that he's been able to do in his decades of experience. He's worked for over 25 years as a leadership and organizational culture consultant and an executive coach where he partners with leaders building their cultures where people can thrive. So if you 
caught last week's episode with Dr. Renee Moorfield, you'll know that we talked about thriving leadership and the elements that go into that. Well, Andrew's interview is a wonderful pairing to that. As we look at how he has built a process in three steps towards this revitalizing the human spirit at work. Andrew's one of my favorite people, shares his experiences freely with us, and I can't wait to share what he has to share with all of you right now. So let's go to our interview with Andrew Bennett. Andrew, welcome back to the Star Coach Show. So exciting to see you all over the news in what you're doing. And we were just talking in our pre-interview. You've just been busting out everywhere. You just did a TED Talk. You just spent days with Google. I mean, just how exciting is all of that, plus all the other things that you've been doing? Well, you know, I don't want to just dive right into things, but I do think there's something important here for everyone. And that is that last August, I ended a project with a client a year before it was supposed to end. I'd worked with them for about three years. And it was because the senior leaders did not want to look at themselves. And for me, who is a real pleaser, it was very hard for me to kind of take a stand and, you know, but it was for their interest too. I didn't want them to keep wasting money. So anyway, I ended the relationship and it was a real challenging time for me, a challenging moment. But I felt like, you know, I want to work with people who want to go there and who, you know, look at themselves and understand the influence they're having on their culture and I think on some level, I expected the universe to immediately reward me with, you know, all these great clients that were going to fill that space where I was. right kinds of clients. (laughs) Exactly. And it was crickets. It was just like, boom, dead. And so during that time, I, I worked on a bunch of stuff. But now all of a sudden, really great things are emerging. And so I think and this is not the first time I've had this lesson, but things kind of have their own time and to let them unfold in their own time always always for me results in something that I never could have designed this. I, I never could have forced this set of things to emerge and they're better than I could have ever designed. So... And they started with that step of courage on your part. Uh, You had to clear the decks to be able to make room for that. And that can be scary sometimes. It can be scary to say no to income, but you went with what you knew to be true. And how does that fit in with what we know know we're going to talk about today, which is the whole concept of revitalizing the human spirit? To me, that, that certainly is an incredible segue into that. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, the client that I'm describing is that was the main reason that I had to stop it was because I think to revitalize the human spirit at work, it begins at the top. Anyone in your audience is going to know that and say, absolutely. You know, I think most people in general know that culture begins at the top. And and yet, it's shocking how many leaders I meet who, well, in the past I've met that say, 
you know, it's kind of a fix my people mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Let me bring you yeah. in so that you can fix all these people and, and make them see it my way or whatever that perspective is. Yeah. Without an understanding that the, the way that the senior leaders are talking, behaving, have a, just a magnified influence on people's ability to do anything. And oftentimes what leaders are criticizing in people originate with them. And I think that's, that's a really crucial thing to explore for leaders. But it's so challenging for leaders to go there because they've got to maintain this facade of, they think they have to maintain this facade of strength and they have all the answers. And, you know, there's just so many things that they feel, I certainly have sympathy. Right. That it's a vulnerability to open up to that. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And even more so in publicly traded companies where you've got stockholders who are demanding that they get a nice dividend and that their stock price continues to grow, you know, in this quarter, if not this month, Mm -hmm. uh, that pressure to not show any weakness. I once had a CEO of a pretty big company. Mm -hmm. uh, I was talking to him about this. I had a really nice connection with him and I had him I asked him something about 360 degree feedback and do you do that? He told me they do it in their his company and he says, "Oh no." He said, "I can't I can't show any weakness. I'd get eaten alive." I really respect that leader right. and he right. he's a good man, but he, it's a publicly traded company and mm-hmm. that's the reality of of his perception. You know, right. there are leaders who are saying, "No, you know, that's not a weakness, that's a strength." Uh, exactly. So, so, so much of that is, is perception. And if that's his perception, it also comes down to, you know, how is that communicated to those that are being asked to do the 360, that that's a vulnerability or that that's an opening to criticism versus other ways to look at the healthier aspects of, of getting feedback from those around us. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So when you are in that place of looking at companies that you want to work with or who approach you, what are some of the things that, so that lens that you're looking through about revitalizing the human spirit, how do you then work that into the mission of what you do or the purpose of what you do? Well, it's the whole purpose of what I do. And it's evolved over however long I've been doing this, like 30 years. When I started out kind of in the consulting, coaching, training track, I was working for Ross Perot. I got an opportunity to do training in the company and it was during the big total quality management movement in the 80s. And I was very focused on the traditional career track of climbing the ladder and working for Ross Perot, he was a brilliant strategist. And so what I'm saying is I had a real kind of business focus, mm-hmm. you know, very much around profitability and productivity and traditional metrics like that. And just as time went by and largely influenced by events in my personal life, mm-hmm. made, I kind of had this gradual growing existential crisis Mm -hmm. in life that also was related to an existential crisis related to work. 
Right. We had the, well, not the pleasure because it was difficult to, it was, you know, you've had a hard story, but you were kind enough to share that in your first interview with us in episode 118. So those of you who want to learn more about Andrew, some of the things that he's done, we're, we're taking this in, in a direction today around this revitalizing the human spirit. And I just wanted to kind of give a quick commercial that Andrew was in episode 118 with us where we are able to explore some of that personal story as well as the aspect of magic in the work that you do, which is is not teased apart today. I'm sure we're going to talk about that today as well. But guys, that was an episode worth listening to. If you have not heard episode 118, I will put a link for that in the show notes. And you did do a dive into some of the crisis that you had gone through in your life that got you to to begin to shift perspective as well. So I want to thank you again for, for sharing that with us. Well, I've found that sharing my struggles and, you know, I don't think it's hyperbole to say suffering. Mm-hmm. I found that when I do that, it gives other people hope. And I think hope is a really important thing. You don't truly, va- it's like your health. You don't truly value it until you've lost it. Right. And so, you know, that brings us back to the whole thing about revitalizing the human spirit. And I went through this period where I lost hope, you know, in general. I eventually got to this place where, for me, it was about meaningful life and meaningful work and and not necessarily separated. You know, it's one life in which we happen to work and we have family and all of that. And so that's what brought me around to really revitalizing the human spirit. And the fact that I worked, I mean, at this stage, I've worked in 120, more than 120 different companies. Wow. And 39 of those in multi-year projects where I'm, you know, in the company for usually around four days a month, Mm -hmm. like in the company. So side by side with people who are struggling to grow and change and have a better life, and through that, I just see so I have seen so many people that are unfulfilled at work, and it just feels you know part of my struggling was and a lot of death in my family made me realize that life can be short right and so when I meet people who are really feeling like, man, I just you know when's Friday right kind of struggling to get through the day, no thriving, just surviving. Yes. And I just think, oh boy, that's not, this is precious. Life is precious. And I want to do what I can to, to change that. And so that's, you know, what led me around to revitalizing the human spirit at work. You and I were talking about this before. There is a growing number of leaders who share that sense of possibility about a greater responsibility for business than just making a profit. I mean, just make, making money, managing the business well, absolutely essential. You and I have to do that in our businesses. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying... That's a reality. We can't, we do have to make an income and but we can do so in a way that is responsible to the whole being. And I think that that's a real ray of light right now, because I think there's a lot of challenges right now in our world, just in kind of 
looking at compassion and empathy and and wholeness that that might be missing in in pieces so to hear that there's companies that are shifting perspective and looking at that and and just last week's show we were able to kind of look at thriving leadership and and how companies are looking at more of that wellness and wholeness and and flourishing aspect and so this was a a good addition to that in your your process that you work within companies and how companies are embracing that yeah i mean maybe i listen to the news too much read too much social media too much but i i feel like we're in this global battle between the the light and the shadow and you know it's like i think i think a lot of people are worried who's going to win yeah i think we can focus our energy on believing in the goodness that we're born with and look for the places where we can magnify that. So mm-hmm. there are companies out there who are honoring the human spirit, you know, and are doing all kinds of things to to build a new model of, you know, you and I were talking about a small company that I met last week and the owner calls it compassionate capitalism. So capitalism, greatest system, you know, social economic system that has come in ever been developed. But I think we're starting to see the limitations of it. Right. And so, you know, there's a conscious capitalism movement. And I love this little distinction of compassionate capitalism because and I think that, you know, companies can be a microcosm of the kind of world we want to live in. They're wonderful little, well, not little in some cases, but they're right. wonderful like laboratory or greenhouse for growing the kind of world that we want. You've mm-hmm. got people who are there for 40, 50 hours a week. What a massive opportunity to create an environment where we're lifting each other up. I mean, what if companies became that? I don't know other than families. I don't know of another community kind of system that would be more powerful. Schools would be another. So when I do a critical incident debriefing for something terrible that's happened in a company that happened, when I go in to do that, I will point out to the people and, and hear this over and over again. They're with their coworkers, their work family. Many times in that Monday through Friday, they see those people longer hours than they see their families. They spend more time communicating with people at work than people in their families. It's just so in that situation, when I go in to do a critical incident debrief, when something happens horrible in the workplace, it ripples throughout the workplace because our home away from home in in many ways. But to your point, that environment, that incubator, that whatever we want, that greenhouse, we spend more time and energy in often than in that, you know, the evenings and weekends that we might get with our families. Yeah. And it's just this tremendous opportunity for everyone and particularly for leaders because they have such an influence on the culture this amazing opportunity to create social shift. You know, what a great opportunity to build the light, to build a place where we 
allow and encourage and support the human spirit, which is so beautiful. You know, we recognize it and we treasure it and we protect it in our children. But as we get older, you know, there's more and more, I guess, experiences that seem to make it challenging to to do that with adults, with each other. I have it too. I mean, tough to forgive and tough to see the best in the other and, you know, all of that. But what if we took that opportunity in companies to, you know, still have the rigor to tell the difficult truths and have the hard conversations and also love each love each other. Yeah. And understand that we're all human beings and we all are from the same, we all started in the same bolt of cloth somehow, some yeah. way. Yeah. So as we look at, I'm, I want to introduce everybody to the three-part process that you use when you're working with companies or clients around this concept of revitalizing the human spirit at work. So what is the first part of your process? So the first part is ignite the spirit. And that is the hope piece. It's the inspiration piece. It's, and there's a lot of dimensions to it. I mean, there's an organizational dimension, there's a personal dimension. And I guess looking at it as simply as possible, it's understanding the deeper purpose that your organization serves. What is that inspiring purpose? And again, it's not about making money. I always have to say capitalism is good. So I'm not anti-capitalist. It's necessary to run your business well. And, you know, it's like, Money is like air. You need it to live, but it's not your reason for living. Right. So same thing in an organization. It's not the reason that your organization lives. It's a result. It's necessary. And it provides a lot of goodness for everyone. And uh, hopefully allows you to continue that purpose. So yeah, yeah, to yeah, do so good things. and It's maybe a piece of necessity. But as you said, how do we really tap into what that spirit is, what that reason is. Yeah. Looking at the products and services you make in terms of how do they make the world a better place? And I think you can find that in anything. You know, you and I come from Michigan, huge auto country, and there are the big companies and there are many more people employed in the many times mom and pop shops that are making gaskets and... Mm -hmm stuff like that. And it's even looking at your gaskets for how do they make the world a better place and really letting that be the driver of the business. So on an organizational level, Ignite the Spirit is about understanding that that deeper purpose that really speaks to our spirit. The word inspiration comes from a Latin word, sperare. It means breath of life. And so how do we breathe life into our organization? And on a personal level, it's finding that connection too. Like, how does my contribution to the world get fulfilled through the work I'm doing for 40 or 50 hours a week? Where is that connection? And I've had jobs where I didn't feel that connection. I remember serving on a board of national organization that is very highly respected, that's doing amazing work in the world. And I didn't feel it. I, I mean, I didn't personally resonate with it. And I've, you know, I have a little bit of shame around that. 
just, you know, like I, yeah, I'm not a good person if I don't resonate with that. But at that time in my life, I didn't. And I resigned from the board because it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for the board. So making sure there's alignment and I know that you need to have a job and you can't, people may not feel like they have the luxury to choose that, but I think it's a worthy aspiration and takes courage to pursue that kind of connection. It takes self-awareness first to know, okay, in the line of work that I've chosen in my life, how does that make the world a better place? So we ignite that spirit. We, it might become creating awareness around that. It might become being innovative or creative about how we link things together for us, but we connect with one another, we connect with the spirit. And then what do we do next? Then it's free the mind. Yeah. So free the mind is, this is a little bit of the shadow side, the shadow work, because fear is the elephant in the room. We don't speak a lot. We're afraid of talking about fear. Mm -hmm. And yet it influences so much, particularly in the work place. There's just so many dynamics about the workplace, positional power, just the fact that people have control over your ability to put a roof over your head, food on the table, that level of control introduces a fear that just organizational life is, it's just loaded with a lot of fear dynamics. Well, and, the, and when fear is not named, it just comes out sideways. And then that, so it comes out sideways in arrogance or it comes out sideways in being demeaning to somebody or angry. All of those, in my opinion, are fear-based emotions. The fear is underlying many of those emotions that hit people sideways or come off counterproductive to what you really want to gain. That's exactly right. Exactly right. And and. I get frustrated at seeing, like you said, leaking out all over the place and no one doing anything about it. I get why. Mm -hmm. But here again, this is where it takes a courageous leader to say, I'm going to explore my fears. And I might learn that, like you're saying, I'm arrogant or I'm hypercritical or whatever. And I want to find out why that shows up in such a negative way that it's really shutting people down or mm -hmm. all the different ways that it can affect people. So free the mind requires people who have the courage and the humility and I think the transparency to go there. And I had an organization that I worked with where the president of the organization, I, I use a lot of times leadership circle profile that probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with. And the leadership circle profile is such a powerful instrument because it really helps people see how fear is showing up. Mm -hmm. I'd done that with the senior leadership team and the senior leadership team decided they were going to go public with their feedback. Wow, that's courageous. Terribly courageous. And so they they got everybody into a school gymnasium and they laid out the leadership circle mat, you know, a, a, like a 20 foot round map on the, in the center of the auditorium or gymnasium had everybody 
in seats and the bleachers all around it. And the president steps out and she walks over to strategic thinking, which is a strength on the top half of the circle. And she goes over to that and she says, she's got a microphone. She says, you folks have told me that my greatest strength is in strategic thinking. And she said, it is. I'm good at that. I've always been good at that. And, and I'll own that. And then she walks over across to the other side of the circle and she stands in critical. And she said, I'm in the 90th percentile in critical. And what I've learned through your feedback is that shutting people down. And I heard things like, I stopped coming to leadership with new ideas because I'm sick of them getting cut down. She said, I grew up in a family where you really had to have a good defense. You really had to have your arguments well-organized. And I'm the president of this organization. The buck stops with me. So I have to question, I believe I have to question everything that comes to me. And so that's why I show up here. But it's not going to get us where we need to be. And it's, it's created a culture here that is not working. And she said, but I need your help because I'm not conscious of it when I do it. And so I'm giving you permission to please just let me know when I have crossed that, you know, being critical is a good thing and debate mm -hmm. is a good thing. And it's not to say that critical is, is bad, but when it becomes overused, it's, you know, classic weakness. Let me know when it's gone too far and when it's shutting things down and help me change. Wow. It was, you know, we're in this giant gym and everybody's silent. And a few seconds later, one hand goes up and the microphone goes to this guy and he says, I want to recognize you for the courage it took for you to say that. And he said, you make me want to take a deeper look at myself. That's just beautiful. So, you know, this, what we were talking about earlier with the fear of being vulnerable is a story we tell ourselves. And what that particular instance showed was that it opened the door. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a weakness. It's a tremendous strength and it opens up all these possibilities for people. And even if there were a couple people in the audience, because it takes all kinds and there, you know, there might be one or two saying, well, you know, that's weak or that's that, you know, only a woman would do that or whatever people's different skewed, you know, perceptions are. The vast majority is, you know, it landed on them in thank you for sharing your vulnerability. It helps me look deeper because you're willing to show me that example. Yeah. So I only bring up the naysayers because we're going to have naysayers, but oh, that yeah. doesn't necessarily need to change the way we want to authentically be when we that's right our mind that's right and it's giving energy to the the good stuff you know the the, right. the negative is going to be there it's in any group of 10 people there's going to be one or two that they're just not there and it maybe it hits too close to their own vulnerability or who knows i mean we yeah. could psychoanalyze all sorts of things but i love that story and i thank you for sharing that story with us yeah, it was one of the most powerful moments in, in my career. Oh, I bet. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah so that's, a, that's free the mind is, is all about the fear stuff. And, you know, it's like the classic not wanting to deal with it. So you shove it under the rug and right. eventually that lump is so big that that's your culture. We're and tripping all over ourselves, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so then that's, the third piece, so we start with uh, igniting the spirit and then freeing the mind. And then what do we do after that? Build the culture. And what does that look like? 
Well, the first part of that is realizing that while leaders do have such a huge influence on the culture, we all create it. You know, we all kind of work together to create the culture. And so, you know, people that hear or believe that the leader drives the culture, yes, that's true. And I've met way too many victims working in companies that are like, why should I change? I'll change when my manager changes. It's the standoff. And regardless of where you are on the org chart, you can say, I'm going to be the kind of person that, you know, the Gandhi classic, I'm going to be the kind of person that I want this company to be made up of. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lift other people up. I'm going to just all the positive things. And so each one of us can play a part in that. And it can become a cumulative positive result versus everybody pointing fingers at at one another, which is so detrimental. And and I don't know how often, you know, I've heard, well, well, oh, yeah, me, you, you know, so somebody else shared. Well, how about where does that take us? This, oh, yeah, you back and forth is, well, it's frustrating and it's destructive and it keeps us really stuck in the same spot. Yeah. I had a manager, supervisor recently come up to me after I'd given a talk and she said, my leaders are never going to look at themselves. You know, I just, that's not going to happen. What do I do? And, you know, it was just kind of like what I was just saying about make your team the best that it can and make that your world and lift each other up. And it's not nirvana, but make it the best you can for the people you work with, mm-hmm. be strong. So, you know, another element of the build the culture and, and every person being responsible, I think a really important process in that is engaging people in a conversation about the culture. You know, as a starting point with thinking about strategy and kind of the, the foundational elements of strategy, vision, mission, values. So many times leaders will go away on a retreat and they'll work with a consultant to come up with those foundational statements. And then they come back and they give you a binder or they put up the posters and everybody gets a wallet card and it goes in the annual report. And that's kind of the process. But unless you've been involved in that conversation, it's just going to be Greek. and it just doesn't really go anywhere and people become disillusioned and there's no buy-in. Yeah. 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 So engaging people in that process and having those conversations, it takes a tremendous commitment to engage, to involve everyone in that conversation. It's a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the things that you've done with companies in your ongoing engagements with them and and you have that conversation and you revisit that conversation and and how much courage does it take from the aspect of the coach consultant to keep the spotlight there yeah you have to walk that fine line between being a little provocative and yet also supportive a little bit challenging and pushing people so it takes a good relationship with people. I don't always, I don't start 
my projects there. Right. I, I start think that's them, important to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Start with the senior leadership team. Don't make any big announcements. You don't have to keep it a secret either, but, you know, don't announce that we're going to transform our culture or, you know, we're just working to get better and work with the senior leaders and see how that goes. See if they're demonstrating the kind of humility and courage and transparency and value, Mm -hmm. sincere value for people. And then at six months, kind of decide, all right. I think this is going to work for everybody. And so then you start working with the next layer of leaders and you're building trust and relationships with those people. And generally at that point in time, you've built relationships with a strong number of people. And then you can move into, all right, let's have a conversation about who we are who we want to be and where we're going. And so it's kind of a slow build. Mm-hmm. That That's helpful. Well, Andrew, as you know, I could absolutely talk to you forever. I always hate bringing our interviews to an end because I just <laughs> so <too>. enjoy, <laughs> so enjoy my time with you. Anything yeah. about revitalizing the human spirit that you want to be sure we touch on as we close out our time together today? Well, you know, the people that listen to your show, Meg, are coaches. And I have met so many coaches that are gifted at doing what we just talked about, having that balanced, you know, balancing, being challenging with being loving. I think that's such a critical part of making things like this work is that you've got a coach that leaders know they're working with someone who they trust, has their best interests in mind. And in service of that, they're going to challenge them. I, I just think that's critical. Absolutely. So it's, it always comes, well, always, I don't like using all-inclusive language, but as a whole, balance ends up being critical to whatever we do. And in, in, it's kind of finding that balance, finding the balance between supporting and challenging, finding the balance between yeah. building and moving forward or staying and, and exploring um, as we move to that place. So thank you for sharing your wisdom, your incredible experience, and just taking time to be with us today, Andrew. It's been a joy. Well, thank you for your show, Meg. You're bringing so much, so many gifts to our community. My absolute pleasure. So there you are, another week of exploring from a different perspective, the whole concept of the human spirit, of the wholeness that we are, and the way that our clients can best enhance who they are and how they show up through looking at that big picture. I want to thank Andrew Bennett for sharing his expertise with us and let all of you know to keep your ear to the ground, pay attention to his social media for when his TED Talk comes up. I can't wait till it's been produced and is available for all of us to listen to because I already know it's going to be one of my faves. If you'd like to know more about Andrew Bennett, 
and all the resources that he talked about, be sure to check out our show notes at starcoachshow.com. Anytime you listen to an episode and you want more information, click on that episode at starcoachshow.com. And under the episode, there's going to be a lot of information about what's in the show and the different links that we talk about in the show. So whether you're listening to episode 142 or episode two, that's how you can access the information through the show notes that are attached to that episode. If you're enjoying the show, I would so appreciate a rate and review at Apple Podcasts. Every time we get a review, it increases the visibility of the show. And I want more people to know about the show. So as I said, if you're enjoying it and you're listening, take a screenshot that you're listening and post it to LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and let people know what you think about the episode. If you tag me in your post, I am happy to share your post, which gets more eyes on your profile. So once again, thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the show. Have an absolutely fantastic week. This is Meg Rentschler. Until next week, I wish you the very best for your coaching success.